Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. You know, God's part in all of this is so big. You know, uh, you hear Pastor Tony talk a lot about God's part and man's part. Uh, I use a little um, illustration when I teach in Bible school um, about God's part and man part, and I tell the story about um, an elephant and a mouse. And an elephant and a mouse were going to cross a suspension bridge. How many of you have ever been on a suspension bridge, walked on a suspension bridge? We went up to O'Reilly's a while ago and went on that tree walk, and, that, and my grandsons had great delight in moving that suspension bridge. I wasn't very impressed by that. But anyway, this story about the elephant and a mouse walked across a suspension bridge. And when they got to the other side, the mouse said to the elephant, we sure made that bridge swing, didn't we? Thanks, there's a bit of a laughter. It's a little bit more than what the students have given me in the past. But you can imagine what it's like for an elephant. Does the elephant really need the mouse to make that bridge swing? No, but the mouse identified in being a co-laborer, if we use Christian words, a co-laborer with that elephant to make that bridge swing. Well, do you know that you were a co-laborer in God's plan? God did this huge, amazing feat And he sent his son to die, and what was all involved in that's going to take us eternity to unravel. But it's huge. His part is huge. And sometimes as Christians, we can look at God's part and feel like the mouse on the the suspension bridge. Well, what does God want me there for? I I don't need anything. I don't need to do anything because God already did it. He's sovereign. He's big. He's huge. He's all-powerful. So I'll just sit back and see what God can do. And, and many Christians live their life like that old song out of the 60s that Doris Day sang, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, the future's not ours to see, que sera, sera. Sounds like a real, happy, a real happy-go-lucky sort of a song, but I think it's a little bit sad, to be honest. Fancy to just sit back, and I mean, we trust God, don't we? We trust God. But so many Christians have been maybe hoodwinked into believing that they have no part. And because, you know, there's a scripture that says, who can know the mind of God and who can give him instruction? Oh, well, we can't know the mind of God and we don't know what God's going to do, so we just sit back and just hope for the best, see how things pan out. Well, a lot of people live that life, and I tell you, God's gracious. Isn't God gracious? But we now have an understanding that in the Word of God, it's shown us very clearly that we actually have a part to play in charting our course. We can chart our course. Now, we don't chart it according to our own thinking, excuse me, or according to our own ideas. I've tried that. It doesn't really work. My ideas don't work. But God has plans for you and has purposes for you that are included in that whole package called salvation. And his part for you is a, a plans for your life that are good, that bring you to a happy ending. How many of you want a happy ending on this story? Yes. Well, we can chart our course. God said we could chart our course. Have a look at the scripture in James 3, verse 5, 4, 4 and 5. And sometimes when I read through the book of James, especially when I read it through in the Amplified, and I think, oh, 
You know, who can tame the tongue? I might as well just cut this thing out. It's going to cause me so much trouble. I'll just zip my lip and not say a word. How many of you, Denise is laughing. How many of you thought, oh, well, I'm not going to say anything. I'll just zip my lip. Well, no, that's not what God has in mind. Have a look at this. This comes out of the Message Bible. I really like this translation. It says, a small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. Isn't that interesting? A small rudder, this is your small rudder in here, on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. On one hand, your word can accomplish nearly anything if, when it comes out of your mouth, or it can destroy nearly anything. But your tongue is like a little rudder on a huge big ship, and it can set your course even in the strongest winds. You know, that rudder, when the, if you've ever seen, particularly on sailing boats, when the storm gets rough, that captain who holds that, what is that thing that goes to the rudder? The till, what's it called? The tiller. Uh, it holds onto that till, he holds onto it even more tightly. And so when you're going through a tough time in your life, you've got to hold onto your tongue more tightly than ever. Because it says in, your tongue has great power. It says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue has power. It has power for death. It has power for life. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. So whatever you say out of your mouth, whatever comes forth from your mouth, you're going to eat the fruit of it. Where you are today is um, a, a product of what you were speaking yesterday, for good and for evil. Now, we know that as, as Christians, no, even, even non-Christians, this is a principle of life. And people will tell you, whatever you talk about is what will, you know, becomes what they call a self-fulfilling prophecy. But we're going to see a little bit, as we go through this today, we're going to see that God has actually given you some authority that is greater even than your own thoughts and your own ideas. So let's have, um, actually we'll go to Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I've set before you life and death. Now you can choose life or death. It says the blessings and the cursings. Therefore, choose life. Here's the exam question. Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? God says, choose life. That's a no-brainer, isn't it? Choose life that you and your descendants may live. It's very important what you say out of your mouth because your tongue has great power. So let's have a look at what the Bible says about the power of our words. Now, we know that there's a lot in the Bible about the power of your words. Um, if you've been reading through Proverbs, you'll find that it talks a lot about the words of the righteous and the words of the foolish. But we're going to go back, right back to the beginning, and <clears throat> it was really interesting what Murray brought out last week about how God established this whole world in order by the words of his mouth. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more. Right at the very beginning in Genesis 1.1, it says that the earth was without form and void. Now that um, Hebrew word there is tohu vabohu. Not tofu. Some people might say tofu is a bit that way too. Tohu vabohu. And that Hebrew word means an absolute mess. Absolutely no order whatsoever. 
Any of you got teenage children and walked into their bedroom? Um, that probably is pretty close to tohu vabohu. <laughs> no, some teenage kids. My, my daughter, she said, you, you're telling tales on me. Well, <laughs> she's not like that anymore, praise the Lord. But sometimes, you know, your life, not just your bedroom, but your life can be tohu vabohu. Absolute mess. Absolute mess. And that's what the world was like. And what happened, we see then, that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the mess. It says that the earth was without form and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered. He was hovering over that mess. Do you know that so often in your life, you may have a place where it's an absolute mess and you're waiting for God to do something. Well, the Holy Spirit's hovering over your life and hovering over parts of your life, just like he was over the, right over creation. The Holy Spirit was hovering over that mess. Now, some scholars think that that period of time between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 could have been millions of years, and it could have been. But all that time, the Holy Spirit was hovering, and the Holy Spirit was waiting. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for God to speak. God said, light be. Out of millions of years, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the tohu vabohu, waiting for God to say, light be. And you know what? God said it and God saw it. Isn't that interesting? That's how God set the whole of creation into play and, uh, and continued that way to create all of the, you know, the, heaven, the, the earth and everything that's on the earth and etc. So we see this principle, a mess, the Holy Spirit hovering, and God spoke. Okay, let's go on to the next thing. Genesis 2-7, God created Adam with a specific purpose in mind. And let's have a read this. It says, then the Lord God formed man. When we say man, we're not just talking Adam, we're talking about man, the species, formed man, the species, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life and man became a living being. Well, we all know that. He was dust, God breathed into him and he came to life. But you know that that, I heard a a preacher once say that that word actually means man became a speaking spirit. And I thought, well, that's nice. So I did a little bit of research. And I'm no Hebrew scholar by any means. I just know how to use Google. And I did a little bit of research onto that word, a living being. And I found that that speaking spirit in Hebrew is the word nefesh. Nefesh. I don't know if that's the way you pronounce it, but that looks pretty good to me. Nefesh. Man became a nefesh. And now if you have a look on the left-hand side, you'll see there's three little... Um, characters. And each of those characters is, is a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. And the way that Hebrew puts, that put their language together is they take letters which have meanings and they put the meanings together to form a related but new concept. Okay, So each of those little letters has a particular meaning. And when those meanings are put together, we come up with this word Nefesh. So let's look at the first one. The first one is shin. That's the letter shin. This is not a Hebrew lesson. It's very interesting though. It means peace or wholeness, perfection and eternal truth. 
So a component of man being a nefesh is he had about him a wholeness, perfection and eternal truth. So Adam had in him eternal truth. Let's look at the next one. The next little alphabet is the letter pay, which means a mouth, a word and a vocalisation. Isn't that interesting? And let's look at the third one. The letter none, which means innermost or inner dimension. So when you look at these three letters or these three concepts, put them together, you come up with man being a deep, eternal mouth. Say, I am a deep, eternal mouth. What you speak comes from a place of deep eternal truth and out of your innermost being. You know, the Bible says out of your heart flows the issues of life. God created you to be a deep eternal mouth. Now, some husbands might look at their wives and say, yep, I knew that. She's a deep (laughs) eternal mouth. But God intended for the words that come out of your life to actually have the same creative power that, that, that he had when he spoke. Now... We know that when Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, they were cut off from God. They were cut off from knowing God's heart, knowing God's thoughts, knowing God's plans and intentions. So that eternal truth part of man was cut off. But man still had power in his words. We knew that, we can see that in the Tower of Babel. But God created Adam for a particular purpose. The reason he put that into him, that deep eternal mouth, was that man had to take the words of his mouth and use them to have dominion over the earth. Because you remember, God said to Adam and Eve to not only tend the garden, but also to have dominion over the whole earth. And we see that because in Genesis it says that God brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. Isn't that interesting? God took all of the animals to Adam and what Adam said of those animals is what they became. What he spoke over them is what those animals became. So God intended for Adam and Eve to have dominion over this earth by the words of their mouth. But what happened is when they cut off their connection with God because of sin, they no longer had that power and they had to take dominion by the sweat of their brow. And we know that forevermore, ever since then, man has taken dominion over the earth by the sweat of his brow, by the working of his hands and by his own work. But when we got born again, this deep eternal truth that comes from God was given to us again by his spirit. And then we are redeemed from the curse. We now can actually speak Speak the words of God because that's the way he intended it to be from the beginning. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? How many of you think, feel like you're trying to clean up a little tohu vabohu in your life by the sweat of your brow? I'm not talking about cleaning out your linen cupboard either. There's, li- there's parts of your life that, that um, need to be cleaned up because God wants the glory in your life. And you feel like you've got to clean it up by the sweat of your brow and doing what you can do. 
Well, God says, I made you a deep eternal mouth. Why don't you use it? Let's have a look real quickly at what Jesus said. Oh, no, no. Uh, Next one. Creation still responds to the word of God. Let's have a look at the next one. Oh, no. Earth was given to man. Did I miss that one? Thank you. Go back to the earth was given to man. Now, the earth was actually given to man. You people say, oh, well, you know, the whole, God's got the whole world in his hands. Yes, he's actually got the whole world in your hands. It says here, the heavens are the heavens, is for God, but he has put us in charge of the earth. We have a responsibility to take dominion. And you take dominion over the, the whole earth, but try, how about try take dominion over your own life to start with? That's so good. Anyway, next one. Creation still responds to the word of God. Now you'll see some funny words there and only a couple of you probably already know what it is. The word, all right, you come up. Now that, those words are, are from pidgin, pidgin English, which they speak in Papua New Guinea. And when I was up there, I bought myself a, a book Bible, which is a Papua New Guinean Bible. And I read through um, Genesis 1 verse 1, because of course that's where you start when you read the Bible in Genesis. <laughs> And I thought it's really interesting because it says there when God created the earth, it says, uh, now God, he talk all same, which means God, he says like this. He said, light, he must come up. You know what that means, don't you? It's pretty obvious. Light, he must come up. Light responded by saying, all right, light, he come up. <laughs> That's what it says in the Bible. Well, not on this, but in my book Bible. And then it says, place dry, he come up. Place dry is land. So God said, place dry, he come up. Then it says there, all right, place dry, he come up. All right. God spoke and creation responded. Isn't that wonderful? I thought it, it, the, the P&G people have got it all right there in their Bible. It's wonderful. But do you know that the Bible says there in Romans <clears throat> that the whole earth groans waiting for the sons of God to be manifested. The earth is waiting for you to speak. So when you speak to something, you may not see it with your eyes. God didn't see it before he said it. He said it first, then he saw it. So there are things in your life that God has set aside for you. You bring it into being by speaking it. and you'll fi- So you think finances come. So finance says, all right, you come up. <laughs> Woohoo! You need healing in your life? Speak the word. Healing, you must come up. All right, you come up. You can expect that. You can expect it. It's not the magic word. You have to say it. Let's have a look at what Jesus says about our words. It's not just a magic formula. Jesus said we can say to this mountain, but he said you have to believe it in your heart. If you believe it in your heart and speak it, you will have what you said. I'm going to skip right down to um, Mark, here, Mark 11, 23 and 24. And it says, Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, you've got to know it to be true, that what he says will take place, it'll be done for you. So mountain, he must come up. All right, he come up. It's that simple. But you've got to believe it. And the Bible says that we have to strive to enter that rest. There's a striving to enter that place of faith. Okay. So, and then we have the scripture, Mark 11, 20, no, go back, about the centurion. In Luke 7, 7. 
when Jesus, um, the centurion came to him and said that my servant is ill, but don't come to my house, just say the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus said, he, he remarked on how great faith that centurion had because he knew that Jesus only had to speak the word and it would be done. So we see a lot in the New Testament about what Jesus says about our words. But have a look now and let's say, now then what do we say? What do we say? I mean, in reality, what do we say? You've got an area of your life that is a mess or you've got an area that needs some attention. What do you say? You know, I, I can say a lot of things. I remember um, when one of our sons was growing up, he was a little bit lazy, and I would say, God, put a bomb under him, shake his bedroom, thunder and lightning would be good, and, and, the, and you know, all sorts of prayers like that. And the Lord says, no, you've got to say what I say. You've got to say what I say, not what you say. There are some things, some manipulations, and people will say to me sometimes, oh, I pray that you will uh, agree with me that I'll be able to da-da-da-da-da, and I go, oh, I'm not sure if that's what God says. That has to be what God says. So let's have a look. What do we say? We take God's thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know that scripture well, and it says, God says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, plans for your good, plans for a good, happy outcome, for your welfare. So we need to take God's thoughts. How do we take God's thoughts? Matthew 16, 31, um, you know it, that Jesus was speaking there and he said to his disciples, take no thought by saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? You know, those thoughts come to you. What am I going to do now? What am I going to eat? Where am I going to get the money for this? How are we going to work this out? Jesus said, don't take a thought by saying that. You take a thought when you say it. Lots of thoughts come across your mind, okay? You've got, you got the electricity bill to pay. You can say, well, well what am I going to do about this? I've got no money in the bank. You've just taken a thought. Jesus said, don't take those thoughts. Take God's thoughts. You look at that bill and you say, okay, that's due by Friday. I thank you, Lord, that you promise that our every need of mine will be met according to your rich, according to the riches in glory that belong to me. You speak God's word. Take his word and put it in your mouth. Um, Hebrews 11.3, which we spoke about last week, was how God framed the world with his words. We too frame our world with our words. So how do we chart our course? How do we chart our course? We do it just as God did. Right back at the beginning, when the earth was without form and void, your whole life may be without form and void at the moment. If you're not even born again and you don't know Jesus, then this is an opportunity for you to take words, put them into your mouth and change the whole course of your life. If there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus, who's never experienced him or accepted him as their saviour, there are words you can put into your mouth which will miraculously and supernaturally change you from one kingdom into another. And it's so simple. And we're going to do that right now. We're going to, to give you opportunity. No, we're not going to. We're going to do that at the end. I've still got some more notes. We're just real keen. We're going to do this on purpose. Every Sunday we're going to put, may have, a, have an uh, altar call. And you might look around and say, well, everybody here is a Christian. Now we're speaking it out into the atmosphere. We're speaking salvation. 
and the opportunity for people to come to know the Lord because these empty seats are going to be filled by people who are looking for salvation. So we're going to do that a little bit later. So we see is how God charted his course right at the very beginning. There are two components in what God did at the beginning of creation. The first one was the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, you may have a part of your life, maybe a room in your life that is a mess. I mean, maybe your marriage is good, your health's great, your kids are all fine, but your finances are a mess. Or maybe your finances are good, but your kids are not walking with the Lord. Or maybe your kids are good, but your marriage is under stress. There are areas in your life, even as a believer, that Jesus paid the price for you to have full salvation in every area of your life. And it doesn't bring glory to him when there are parts of your life that are still a mess. And, it, and they're the parts of your life that keep you awake at night. You know, everything in your life might be really good, but there's this one area, it's like a stone in your, your shoe and it just annoys you and you say, Lord, I don't even know what to do about that. There are some situations you won't find the answer directly written in the Word of God. You're going to have to go to God and ask him to give you revelation on it. But until then, here is an operation. This is what God did. He allowed the work of the Holy Spirit to hover over that tohu vabohu. And when you're in a situation like this, Romans 8.26 is really comforting because it says there, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting... God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. You can take comfort in that. If you don't know how to pray about a situation, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. How many of you have had a situation where you just don't, you don't know anything but just to cry? I've dealt with sometimes with people when we've counselled people and they don't know what to do, what to say, but just weep. And you can let that weeping and that sighing be a prayer to God because the Holy Spirit is hovering over that situation. And then you can take your prayer language by praying in tongues over a situation. And you don't know what is going to happen. You don't even know what to say. You don't even know what to pray. But the Holy Spirit says, I'll come right alongside you and help you to pray the perfect will of God. And you can pray in tongues and you'll be praying out the perfect will of God. It may be for a day, it may be for a year, it may be for more than a year. God was patient to allow the Holy Spirit to hover over that tohu vabohu and then one day you will get something in your heart. It'll be a little flicker of hope, a little tiny seed of faith and then you have a look and see, this is the next action. Number two, the action of the word. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he who wrote, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. When you've been hovering over something you don't know what to say and what to pray, there'll come a flicker of hope, a flicker of hope that will give you a word to speak. And it may be two words or three words. You don't have to go and look for a whole list of scriptures. Look for one or two words that you can speak in faith and you will have the same creative power come out of your mouth as what God did when he said, light be. I've seen it happen. 
I've seen it happen. But sometimes it takes patience. It takes patience and faith. So we just, I just want to encourage you today to know that God is interested in your life. He has plans for you. But you can't just sit back and say, oh, well, we'll just see how it all pans out. Okay, sarah, sarah. God says, no, he need, you need to put the word into your mouth. But there's another, um, another thing that it was in my heart to do today. And that is to encourage you to actually find words to declare, to decree. You know, uh, Brother Copeland says, you are the prophet of your own life. So many people run around saying, have you got a word for me? Have you got a word for me? Have you got a word for me? And they're looking for prophecy. They're looking for the word of God. Do you know the word of God out of your mouth for your life is more powerful than the word of God out of someone else's mouth. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.